Hello, I'm Michael Bisacco, head of GTS Advisory, and you're listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. In our previous on-time Treasury podcast, we challenged some of the misconceptions about the concept of real-time Treasury and proposed the concept of on-time Treasury as a more applicable objective for most Treasurers, solving a need when it's needed. In today's podcast, we are diving into the practicalities of on-time Treasury, focusing specifically on continuous processing and the data that supports this. In a world where e-commerce is taking more of a share, is the rise of instant data the death knell for batch processing, or is there a middle ground? I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Durkin, Global Product Head of the Cash Pro platform covering online, mobile, API, and connectivity, and Bruce Muley, Treasury Advisory Executive. Welcome, Tom and Bruce. Thank you, Mike. Great to be here. Hi, Mike. Tom, we kick off with you with this first question. There has been an increased growth in the availability and methods of transferring data. How are companies leveraging this data, and where do you see the value for this right now? Well, that's an excellent place to start, right? When you think about the changes in technology, it's been about an acceleration of data, how quickly the data can move, how it can be digested into client systems. And there's probably multiple ways in which that has evolved with different value throughout the process, looking at the different product suites that have blossomed in terms of offerings. Like I tend to think about the data story with increasing reconciliation, the opportunity to close out month end sooner, the opportunity to find potential fraud as you're reconciling. But then even the other ways in which you're collecting data points across the board for paying beneficiaries, like offerings that we provide like recipient select and the opportunity for moving that information at a speed that accelerates beyond traditional payment methods. I like that. I see that as an opportunity. It comes with change. And it also comes with the ability for treasurers to understand the benefits of how they're going to harness that data. There's traditionally significant amount of opportunity that flows with it. You think about the remittance information or what's exchanged between a buyer and a supplier and a supply chain finance type solution. Now you've got the opportunity to continue to harness that really in a variety of different fashions. So API becoming another conduit for how payments are routed. Say if they're routed off merchant rails and the opportunity to utilize a solution like pay by bank in an instant payment type offering. I think those things are going to continue to blossom within the range of certain opportunities, and it creates an opportunity for more structure and thus what you've been talking about with on-time treasury. I love the remark around reconciliation, always a pain point and an area where clients typically want to accelerate the bank-to-book component of reconciliation. Bruce, any additional color to this question? Thanks, Mike. When I'm talking to clients, one of the things that comes through, the internal processes that are moving more to an on-demand type scenario. So this is where, say, for instance, cash forecasting or cash position, where the ability to go get data becomes important because that then adds to information being sent in a timely manner throughout the day, not necessarily at the end of the day or the next day. The other areas where Treasury is moving to more continuous type processes, cash reconciliation or cash application is one of those that comes to mind where 
the ability to free up counterparty credit limits intraday becomes really important or valuable to the client. So that's where I've been starting to see some real progress being made in that space. And that's a great segue into the next question, Bruce. How can companies pursue an on-time operation that uses transaction data without introducing friction into their existing treasury management workflows? I think the reality is that having APIs or the ability to get continuous or on-demand data is going to add complexity in some way to your operations. It may be another payment channel which you're introducing. It's not going to replace existing payment channels. It's going to sit alongside those existing payment channels. Or it may be a separate internal process. That process may be one and done as cash forecasting. You do it for the whole entity or the whole business operation. It's not all or nothing. And so the real problem here is understanding the impact of introducing instant or on-demand data and being able to work that in with the existing processes. What I tend to recommend is that new processes are designed and put in place, not to try and shoehorn an existing process. Start from scratch and look at how the process should work and put that in correctly. The other thing is to try and maintain standardization around controls, around reporting, around formats where possible. Last and certainly not least is to look at some of the supporting processes. And a good one around this is what sort of accounting impacts are there? How will you need to engage with your internal accountants to work out how they're going to support that new process or new transaction execution? Love the point, Bruce, about using the opportunity to almost reinvent or reimagine the workflow as data becomes a deeper component of the process rather than trying to force it into existing process. Let's reimagine or reassess what we're doing and start fresh. It's an excellent point for treasurers to maintain as they consider the impact of data. Tom, I'm going to flip back over to you. There are many instances where APIs have proven to be impactful. What are some of the trends you are seeing and what value does it bring to our clients? I'll do a throwback to Bruce's point about standardization. Let me start there. I really like that angle because corporate treasury teams have worked with banks. Banks have worked with vendors to drive a degree of standardization. We saw that with ISO XML. You guys have talked about that in other forms as well. But getting to that degree where there is an opportunity for standardization will thus open the door for control. And then it gives you more of that greenfield opportunity to drive efficiency throughout the process. I think that's important. So to kind of pull that back a little bit to where we see it being impactful, we've got a number of different unique use cases that help drive, I think, the opportunity. We talked earlier about reconciliation and some of the benefits. Once you embed the connectivity that Bruce was referring to really inside the accounting package, the treasury management system, the ERP system, the opportunity to cut that down. We've seen clients move from 10 days to three days in terms of retrieving account statements via an API and directly close out month end in an accelerated fashion. Now, their degree of efficiency had a lot of room for making change, which was a good start. You also see it in terms of reducing risk and what I would call in this heightened age of fraud prevention tactics. We do see some 
clients that are using an account validation API to do an additional cross-check on the beneficiaries of who they're paying. And in that case, it's a nice matchup with what Bruce is saying about it's not the end of one process. They may be originating in a batch process using the API to do the account validation as a separate swim lane to ensure that the payment, the beneficiary account details are still accurate. Consider that additional friction or an additional cross-check, which also helps. And then certainly the other aspect of moving more of the additional payment opportunities in more of that on-time or Insta-type fashion. We've got charitable institutions that are moving to send payments over Zelle in a crisis situation, particular movement, versus relying on a check or relying on someone taking a car to an ATM, which may not be powered up. There's a lot of those, what I would call, unique, insightful or situations to drive more opportunity. And I think at the end of the day, most treasury teams are going to be measured on how they are automating process, right? And are they moving down a path to eliminate paper where there could be more risk relative to the process for not just reconciliation, the PO and everything else with manual check payment runs. So the opportunity it provides where some clients are using the API, but to help them on that path for migrating to some additional payment types away from the check. It really does depend on what the client wants to focus on. So where they're going to target, how they're going to drive efficiency, and how it's fitting into their business needs. Like optionality, right? Focus on the problem and then how to target that, followed by embedding the process within. Bruce, I'm going to take a slightly different angle to the very similar question. Rather than the trends and the impacts, what are some of the challenges clients are faced when they implement APIs? And what would you propose as a means to overcome some of those challenges? If we go back to some of the points made earlier about adding complexity into a treasury operations, I think one of the initial questions that has to be answered is around what connectivity model is the treasurer going to opt for and how does that fit alongside existing connectivity channels? That may be something which is added on as opposed to a replacement. I think then we mentioned about finding the correct balance between operational efficiency, standardization, but you've also got to bring in the value proposition, whether it be an internal cost efficiency from a treasury functional perspective or whether that be business value in enabling business units to do their job better or enabling business units to service their clients better. If we've got all of those balances which need to be managed, then one of the most important aspects is to really choose the best place to start and to be very careful that it is nicely scoped, it's quite tight and can be delivered within an effective time frame and deliver the benefits that were promised to start off with. I'll finally mention that changing an operational model like this means you need to have the right level of support from your internal partners. And by this, I mean any shared service centers or centralized operations which Treasury may use or is reliant upon. IT, very key in this aspect. And accounting. We've talked lots about how some of the impacts of moving to a more on-time basis can have some very real impacts on how accounting is executed. You're not going to get very far unless you really bring in those external partners and internal partners very early on in the piece. To play that back, needs assessment, right? Does that help the business case? 
ensure you have a cross-functional team to evaluate that business case and ensure workflow awareness, right, up and downstream of where you're going to impact that process is well understood. Yeah, nice recap. I'm going to turn to our last question, Bruce. I'm going to ask you to kick us off and Tom to close us out. In your summary of the content that we've just covered, what is the takeaway for treasurers? I would start with understand. So understand the technology that's available, the services that are available, but also understand how on-time treasury will impact both internally from a functional perspective, but how it can enable your business partners. The second piece I would say is it's a recognized evolution. It's not going to happen overnight. It will be a little bit piecemeal because you'll start somewhere and that may not go quite where you think and you may have to change direction. Don't be too rushed in trying to accomplish too much too early on. Make sure you deliver what you say will deliver in the first instance and then take the learnings from that and see how else you can scale things into the business. And then back to my point around engagement, engage internally with the partners I mentioned earlier, but also engage with external partners, whether they be your TMS technology providers or indeed whether they be your banks. Reach out to your partners. They will be able to help you. And certainly at Bank of America, we will endeavor what we can to advise you appropriately. Tom, I hear Bruce, understand, have patience, and engage. Putting that same question over to you, key takeaways for treasurers. I think as I look back through 2022, and I think about treasurers' ability to pivot, and the reason you want to do some of those steps that Bruce outlined is to be ready. So we dealt with cybersecurity risks. We dealt with geopolitical risk, deglobalization, as we talked about, and other places. So the ability to be ready for multiple headwinds is at an all-time high. Go into 2023, potential mild recession, other aspects, impacts in the market, continued rate rises, and so forth. So the ability for Treasure to target and make effective change while this turbulence is still in the air is significant. But your end game is to be prepared so those don't become major headwinds. The reason you will invest and make these kind of changes is to prepare for the inevitable nature of the next challenge that comes to Treasury, whether it is in geopolitical or across the board relative to divestiture, M&A, however it is relative to when the market comes back. Those things will not change. So readiness and thus the opportunity for looking at your tech stack and being ready with those partners that Bruce mentioned, your banking partners, your technology service providers, that's the thing that is elevated from a dialogue. Be ready, anticipate it, and continue to drive for those efficiencies we talked about throughout this call. If I may, just to summarize, have an understanding, be patient, engage the right partners, be prepared and anticipate the pivot, and have assuredness of your readiness to enact and to engage. Gentlemen, as always, there's so much more that we could discuss on this topic. It's nuanced in detail. Bruce, Tom, thank you very much for your insights today. In the next podcast, we're going to dive into even more detail on how on-time treasury is impacting cash forecasting and liquidity. Thanks, Mike. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Mike.
I'm Michael Bosacco, and my co-hosts have been Tom Durkin and Bruce Muley. Thank you for listening to the Treasury Insights Podcast Series. Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the Global Banking and Global Markets Divisions of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America, N.A., member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities, Inc., and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp., both of which are registered broker-dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities, Inc. and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as futures commission merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA. Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, and may lose value. Copyright 2022 Bank of America Corporation. All rights reserved. All trademarks, service marks, and trade names referenced in this material are the property of and licensed by their respective owners.